What is going on, ladies, gentlemen, and new fans of Migs Mayfeld, which I kind of think is all of us after this episode. Welcome <laughs> back to Octo Radio for the penultimate Mandalorian review of the season. Will we do the Disney Gallery? Probably. But of the season proper, this is it. This is the lead up to the final battle, the whole shebang of the season, Darksaber on spear action. This is, you know, the prelude, and we're getting all the pieces in place. This episode is called The Believer. It's chapter 15 of the story overall. And it was an interesting one to plan for because out of all the episodes this season, most of the time I just picked guests that I wanted to have. And it was just, you know, when are you free? Let's just work it out. For this guest in particular, when the Writers Guild of America list or whatever got out and we saw where Rick Famuyiwa fell in the lineup, we reached out to our guest and I said, this date, this weekend, clear it. This is, you're coming on because I know Rick is your boy from the Imperial Senate podcast. It's Nikki Kumar coming back. How's it going, man? Oh, man. What a pleasure to be here, especially for, for Rick week. <laughs> Rick is just, I mean, we've gushed about him before, but we got to talk about him up top just because, you know, people can go back. You've been on a couple times. We've talked news. We've talked to the future, which at the time of this recording, holy shit, like there's like, mm -hmm. 10 times as much future to talk about now. But, you know, we also talked about just sort of your Star Wars background, the kind of stories you're into. You and I share a huge love of Rebels, a huge love of a lot of these same themes. But you have a special affinity for Rick that it's not that a lot of people don't appreciate him, but he sort of is like the sleeper, like, you know, pinch hitter of the entire thing. Yeah. Where he sort of didn't have the oh, you know, he's going to do Obi-Wan Kenobi like Deborah Chow. Like, you know, he, so people are thinking about her more presently. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's not, it's not Taika Waititi. He didn't come off Thor. But he came in with a really sensitive and, like, understated episode. And then, you know, a really colorful, lots of side characters sort of banger at the end of that season or toward the end. And now he's coming in with something that's kind of both, where it has, like, long quiets and but also tons of action and explosive moments. So... What is it about Rick that has you excited about him as a creator and, and, and going into this that you like sort of carry in your mind? Yeah, I think everything you just said would basically hit the nail on the head. Um, and I remember just watching season one and I think it's, you know, started with chapter two, the child that was, that was his uh, first episode. He didn't write it, but it was his first directing one. And I just remember watching it and being in awe of this show that has totally flipped the narrative on us. Like we, you know, we got chapter one, we got the child reveal and that was a huge surprise. But I feel like it was chapter two really gave us the baby. Yeah. And then, and it really gave us this notion of this isn't the show I thought it was, or, you know, it's not just this, this gunman going around that was that was the first episode where it's like this is about a struggling parent <laughs> like yeah like it, it's i mean there's so many there's so many moments and i think even coming into season two it's like i swear rick Femiwa loves to show dinjarin in pain like that's <laughs> like that's that's all he he just lives off that He's and like, uh, oh you're giving me the script 
okay, cool. I'm going to add a, a lot of <laughs> ass beating, right? Like, yeah. here in the- like, it's, it's incredible. Like chapter two, just those shots from above of him on his back covered in mud, just lying still. Like you just feel, you feel Din Djarin's pain. You see it in this one where he's like, ow, I'm fighting without my armor. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I love that as escalation too. It's like, I, yeah. I beat the hell out of you in your makeshift armor. Now I'm going to yeah. take you to an even worse situation physically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, right. the, the mud horn was probably a worse thing to fight, but, and then even like emotional pain. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to make you the most uncomfortable you've ever been in this entire show. It's, it's so good. And, and I think there's, there's a lot that goes into why I love Rick's work. And it isn't, it isn't, it isn't just because he is the hipster favorite director of, of Mandalorian. <laughs> like, I, th- I think he kind of is. I think he is under, undervalued by fandom as a whole. But I think he's, people are finally seeing the light after this week. Um, yeah. But, but I think um, there's something very specific about him that I love, and that's um, n- not to say he, he isn't a gifted creator enough to have already earned this this place to work on The Mandalorian, but his sort of big thing coming into this was the film Dope. And for anyone who hasn't seen Dope, it's a like so much of that movie is like basically the core thesis statement is is about identity and how the world perceives you and the expectations of who you are and who you are believed to be and how you approach, you know, situations where all your choices are either a bad choice or a worse choice and, and how you, um, like, I don't know. I don't want to like just reveal the whole movie to anyone who wants to go and watch it, but like, it's, it's about a character and his friends who are not like the people that they're believed to be because, because of like the surroundings they live in and, how they grapple with that, how they um, sort of define, like make the effort to define themselves right. in a world in a world that is already set on predetermining that. And I think that's a really cool theme for Mandalorian when we have so much stuff of who are you? What is, what is this creed? What is, how do you grapple this creed with the decisions you have to make? How do you yeah. define yourself? How do you, again, I mean, we see it in this episode, right? Like, how do you sleep at night, right? Right, um, and putting that, putting those cynical, the cynical version of those ideas in the mouth of Mayfeld in the first act of the episode, making you think, oh, this is the, you know, the cynic is tearing Din down and he's just making Din think. And it's like, yeah, he is. But then Rick is like, but what if I also did that to the cynic? And then, mm-hmm. you know, later on in the episode, you're like, oh, that's why you're like that because you too are have are a compromised man you right. too have worked for a thing and then watched it crumble and even with grogu you know he wasn't in this episode which really jarring like it's it's interesting like it didn't really sucker it like sucker punched me where at the end of the episode i was like oh he's not there like i saw Giancarlo and thought we were gonna see him and then mm-hmm. i was like oh th- no grogu in an episode yeah. of the mandalorian so yeah. that was weird but go back to you know the child uh, Rick spoke about this a little bit in the gallery. He's like, you know, I get the Jawas. I get this thing that has always been in Star Wars. And what does he do? He injects personality into them. Whereas like, he's not revealing some deep truth about them with their, you know, <laughs> rager 
that they're that they want to throw with their their clear addiction problems for this egg yolk but he is all about saying here's a thing but what if it was more what if it was weirder what if it was more interesting and this stuff about creeds is fascinating i mean this crew is you know we have addressed it on the show before but you've got cara dune in this episode uh link below for the trans rights or human rights uh, fundraiser if you want to uh, slide down there in the podcast description uh you have Kara there you have fennec you have boba these are all people that the galaxy at large would have a certain opinion of and here they all are honor bound for this dad <laughs> yeah. Yeah. for this guy all of them found some reason to be here and and that importance carries through into din's decision making here which i think is a lot of what you're touching on Mm-hmm. Um, which there's, which is again that sensitivity that Rick is able to bring, uh, yeah, really well uh, throughout. Yeah. He he has such a great um, grasp of the characters, and he does that through episodes that are not, or at least to me, don't feel like necessarily, or they do feel like Mandalorian episodes, but they are different from other Mandalorian episodes. Like chapter two, we go eleven minutes with no dialogue. Yeah. or no like no like meaningful dialogue um and how much character he reveals between both din and grogu um in in those 11 minutes of silence and or just you know sound effects um yeah. and then and then a lot of people are like oh the prisoner is filler <laughs> and, I <was> like, <laughs> and i was like guys the prisoner is a high school reunion <laughs> Like yeah. it's, it's again, it's like, so it's playing with that trope of the high school reunion. He's seeing his, seeing his old crew and he's different now. And it's like, he's not the same person they know. And, you know, that in itself has revealed so much character and sets up this, you know, this, this believable journey. Right? Absolutely. Like, like we, like we know, like, it's so important to know your character. And I think that's what people don't get when they're so obsessed with a plot, a plot, a plot, a plot. It's like, you need to sometimes stop and and not to say that there is no a plot either, but like sometimes you need to allow the time to get to know these people because then that's what makes you care about the a plot. Yeah. And I, you know, I think about return of the, I mean, I think about return of the Jedi every day anyway, but I think about return of the Jedi a lot in terms of this show, because I feel like Mandalorian is probably like a tonal sibling to return of the Jedi in a lot of ways where Mm. it's, it's all about, you know, patriarchal themes and it's all about, you know, really embracing the hokiness where like, I feel like if, you know, the Suka scene had happened in 83, people probably would have said like, you just wanted to sell stuffed eggs. Like it has, it has a silliness to it. Yeah. And one thing I love about what you just said is you got to think about the fabric of star Wars and how, Return of the Jedi starts with essentially a short film just so they can paint a picture of who Luke Skywalker is now, where mm-hmm. he comes off of Bespin in the last film, and then now you see him and it's free us or die, you know, uh, you will bring Captain Solo and the Wookiee to me. Like, it's all about to, to, to jar you and smack you in the face with how this man's changed. When you go to the pilot, or I guess retroactively chapter one, The Mandalorian, then, you know, chapter six, the prisoner, and now chapter 15, the believer, 
you pointed it out because Nikki actually, for those listening, are, are is the first person I talk to about these episodes every week. Nikki <laughs> and, and our buddy Chris Swift, who's also been on the show. And because we're all either up or staying up and we're mm-hmm. ma- maniacs and we don't care about our health. And uh, you pointed it out where, how did we get this man from, you know, bring you in warm or bring you in cold all the way to he means more to me than you will ever know. Like that yeah. is phenomenal storytelling. Yeah, it's it's so good. And um, it's yeah, it's one of those things where you just have to like pitch yourself and you're like, am I watching this? Yeah. <laughs> like, is this is this happening? Uh, because yeah, it's so satisfying. And, you know, it's it. I, I talked about it this on our Imperial Senate show. It's it's a funny thing to compare penultimate episodes between seasons because we have the death of Quill <laughs> leading into season one finale. And that was a downer. And this one is, this one is taken, right? This one is, yes. I'm coming for you. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's like the absolute flex. Like I always think about that moment with, with Moff Gideon. It's like, I don't know if he's like worried or impressed. I think maybe both. It's, like it's I, such it, an interesting mix of like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like uh, I'll credit, uh, you know, our buddy Ken over on, on force center, he was saying like, there's definitely a tinge of fear, but he almost looks like he's like salivating at the idea of a fight. Like yeah. he's almost like, oh good, like you didn't yeah. just take it. Like, I think he, I think he respects the flex. Like yeah, um, I mean this is the man yeah. who who took 20 minutes to explain everyone's backstory and right uh, establish his very wonderful eweb canon. Uh, oh yeah. So he 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 probably he respects a bit of theatricality, and I also think that Gideon you know, this kind of is also sort of my theorizing about the man, but I think that he, not to the full extent of Thrawn in terms of the arts, but he definitely, I mean, he has a a clear understanding of history. He has a clear understanding of like other cultures in terms of terminology, like how he says to Din, like, you know, they sing songs of the night of a thousand tears and things like that. Mm -hmm. He enjoys theatricality. And we saw that with Grogu and the, you're not ready to play with such things. Like, (laughs) that's just in his nature and so i feel like he was finally like oh god like i've been playing with idiots now for you know since the empire fell yeah now i'm finally playing with somebody like he's he's kind of like in a jokery yeah like finally some good, some good food <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly you and me are destined to do this forever right uh, and you know according to john carlo you and me are destined to do this for two more seasons yeah uh, yep. so yeah i mean i we're, we it's so funny we, we skipped right to the end because the themes but Okay, this episode starts off with probably one of my favorite comedic scenes, I think, in the entire thing mm-hmm. at, this, uh, at this, this, chop, this chop yard, as they called it, I believe, and uh, very reminiscent of like Braca and, and Fallen Order and other places we've seen of the sort. And Miggy May, man, Migs Mayfeld is just, <laughs> he's, he's a hard, hard living. And you could tell that he's just like, just let me die in peace. Like he just doesn't want to yeah. deal with his guard. Doesn't want to deal with Cardoon. Um, how did you feel going into this episode, knowing that Mayfeld was going to return, knowing that it was going to be um, about maybe springing him? I worried that not that I want to be obsessed with the a plot because I don't, but I did worry that this whole episode was going to be springing him. So mm-hmm. I was very happy to see that Cara just flexed and was like, "No, you're coming with me. All right, let's go." Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, um, I won't say worried, but I did think the episode was going to be a breakout episode. Um, 
but I was also kind of relieved or and in, and intrigued and like excited about the fact that they just sort of <laughs> were able to get past that. Um, and yeah, I think last episode um, when it's revealed that Mando wants uh, Mayfeld out, right? I was giddy. <laughs> like I, I didn't know. Like it's one of the things where you're like, like waiting to find out who's going to show up on the screen, and then when Bill Burr's dumb Boston face showed up. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. Um, and again, like going back to my love of Rick's episodes, I mean, like I will ride or die for The Prisoner um, and just that whole episode. So I, I was thrilled when the droid Zero came back um, briefly uh, through, through the Passenger episode. Um, and seeing Mayfeld, <laughs> Mayfeld's face, I was, I was super excited uh, just to like see him again and, and have a character play such a role in, again, a, a Rick episode who was introduced in an episode Rick co-wrote. So it also, it always, or it sort of felt like this thing of, like, I, I love having something, or I love someone having ownership of a character. And yeah. I, I think whatever we were going to get from Mayfield, I felt was going to feel authentically Mayfield May, or Mayfeld because it was it was in the hands of the guy who helped bring him in so yeah. I, th- I thought yeah. that was always exciting and um, I just love the idea I mean, of like Star Wars creators like presenting like the characters that they've made you yeah got, like Dave and he's like this is Ahsoka she was Anakin Skywalker's Padawan she's one of the greatest force users of all time and Rick's like yeah. this is Bill Burr <laughs> <laughs> The man, my man's name is literally Migs Mayfeld. <laughs> I, created, I created a mass hole for space. Yeah. Yes, yes. But who's laughing now? Because oh, what, yeah. what a journey to just get Migs Mayfeld for. And so, yeah, I was, I was pretty pumped coming into this episode. And through reasons I'm sure we'll, we'll get into much in, you know, later in the episode and uh, go in depth more, I mean – he he showed up and hit us with stuff yeah. i was not i was yeah. not expecting so we'll get there but yeah, yeah this is this is textbook you know comedians being able to go to a dark place and like yeah. really yeah. bringing it um you know so we're leaving that chop shop scene great to see uh, a new republic droid again really love those sentries they're a really cool design mm-hmm. and then we get one of many uh comedy beats that i just uh, Adore. Like, I really just adore the Rick's handling of Star Wars comedy. I think that he has his own way of doing it in the same way Taika does. I think they all, they all have done well with comedy in this show. But, you know, something about Rick's just feels very, very playful and self-aware. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, and a lot of it is Bill, too, I'm sure. But there are lines like, you know, in, in, the, in the, the first episode with, uh, with Mayfeld and the prisoner, there's lines like, you know, Canto bite slot machine or, yeah. you know, I wasn't a stormtrooper wise ass, you know, crazy twee, which was in the, you know, the, the gun, the gun gun line. Oh, that you was... also don't want to show us. <laughs> <laughs> I like, uh, that one, that one, I, yeah, I think about like it's weekly, <laughs> if not daily, but yeah, <laughs> that needs to be a shirt with Bill Burr's face. Yeah. You also don't want to show us <laughs> the face. Uh, I wonder if like they actually like, if Bill Burr had seen Phantom Menace, because like he doesn't really like Star Wars, he very openly mm-hmm. has made fun of it and says it sucks and whatever, yeah. and made fun of the fans. Uh, but it's like I wonder, like, how do you prepare him for an impression of something? He's never, are they like, all right, you have to watch some clips, Bill? Come here, come, YouTube, 
Ahmed best. Yeah. Like, um, but then in this one, you know, you immediately get that joke that I loved of seeing Boba Fett and it's like, Ooh, I thought you were someone else. Like, yeah, yeah I thought someone, someone that looked like you or whatever. My first thought was no Migs. He's worse. Like, yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's You're lucky you didn't meet him. Yeah. He <laughs> years wouldn't ago. have made it out. Yeah. He would not have made it out of that prison ship. Yeah. Uh, and then Din comes down and they sort of, uh, you know, form up that team in Fennec 2, seeing the inside of Slave 1. And they do this thing that I love that's very like pro wrestling of putting over the bad guy. And mm-hmm. by having Migs be like, Moff Gideon, like, nope, just leave me in prison. Like, I'd rather just rot there. That type of storytelling beat is really effective for me. So yeah. how did you feel sort of about this? A little bit of exposition, a little bit of putting the team together, a uh, little sequence. Yeah, I I love that entire vibe. I, I always love a good assemble the crew. Um, not even just in Star Wars, just as a trope throughout, like, shows and TV and stories. Um, and yeah, I thought, you know, just to echo what you were saying, like the humor in this episode is so good and you know you get it from mayfeld there's there's boba humor that is top-notch stuff oh yeah like like the, just, the mask acting and just like uh, some like a couple of the lines yeah um, more morrison and pedro and and you know the stunt team as well latif crowder and brendan wayne mm-hmm. they have mastered like no director has dropped the ball with still being able to completely like emote like you could totally see the exact faces that they're making yeah and it's it's just it's the fun part or i mean there's fun later but like it is like the sort of like perfect act one of this episode where it's a little light it's you know it's got it's got some fun moments you're getting the team together you're you're just seeing these you know what what is essentially a bad batch of characters yeah. coming together and it's it, yeah it's just it's fascinating but one other thing really quick if we can just rewind a little bit no please um when they dropped the title of the episode i oh, was like yeah. this is another reason why i love rick <laughs> yeah <laughs> because <laughs> because it's like um or i'll give i'll leave it open in case someone else came up with the title of the episode but um i i loved it because Mando's usually not like cryptic in its title episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jedi, the the heiress, the Marshal, right? Like it's usually pretty straightforward. And this is one of the few ones where, like, there's like interpretation involved in in what it means. So right. and because I remember sitting there and being like, because yeah, usually you hear bum and you see the thing and you're like, oh, it's the thing, <laughs> like oh, Marshal, uh, like yeah, <laughs> like the Jedi. Yeah. You know, it's it's there. Um, and this one I read, I read the believer and I was like, huh. Yeah. Or, okay. and usually they answer it very quickly, even if they don't like the passenger, you're like yeah. the passenger. And then you meet frog lady two minutes later and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So that was the first thing. And we can, you know, save it for later dissecting what the believer means. But mm-hmm. that, I just wanted to like draw attention to the fact that like, it's not often to be hit with a Mando title and, and be left sort of thinking about it. No, it's true. I mean, because even, you know, sometimes they gain meaning, but you already have a mm-hmm. base, like Redemption, Chapter 8. We had witnessed Din's redemption across a whole season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're like, oh, and also IG. So, like, that makes that makes sense. But then, you know, I go to the Sin, Chapter 3. What is 
the sin? You know, is mm-hmm. it the covert joining him in the streets and breaking, you know, the sanctity of, of their hiding place? Is it, you know, him betraying the bounty hunters guild? Is it him betraying the empire, mm-hmm. the empire stealing the child? Like there's, there's so many different angles that you can take the sin and all are true. Yeah. Uh, you know, I feel like uh, uh, Tia Dalma in Pirates 3 and all are true. <laughs> um, but yeah, whereas here, it, it, I think it's definitely the most heady mm-hmm. where, you know, even with the, with the heiress, you know, you, it's obvious that it's Bo-Katan, but, you know, you sort of think, is it the heiress in a celebratory way, in a cautionary way? You can spin these. This one really is asking you to look at Migs and at Din and really consider them as mm-hmm. as men and and it tees it up you know as we get sort of into the you know the chase sequence with this you and i are not the same you know a, yeah a classic in in movies and cinema and television of we're not so different you and i you know mr mr bond like all that stuff right right um so i i love creating that parallel uh but before we get into actual moving action on you know the, this this track toward the refinery uh just a couple housekeeping questions uh nikki kumar how do you feel about uh matt painting uh boba fett armor <laughs> it was jarring at first it, the, um, matt, the new matt hunter yeah. forest green yeah i was very into how he looked in the tragedy yeah i, I love th- this i love the scumbag i, yeah. I thought Sarlacc it was armor. perfect yeah um and then when I saw it for the first time, I was like, that looks like Hasbro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that looks like the, <laughs> I can buy that for 30, that helmet for 30 bucks on, in the target <laughs> aisle, which, but then over it, like, you know, it, it's one of those things where I, I, I personally um, am very, very quickly able to, you know, sweep things under the rug pretty fast. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. like, so like, yeah, you, I was like, oh, okay, that's that's interesting. And then I get on with it. Now I look at the photo. I'm like, oh, he looks cool. Like, mm-hmm. he still looks cool. Um, Absolutely. So it's it's fine. Yeah. I, I, it's fine and fun. <laughs> yeah, and we had some <laughs> – you're doing great, Boba. You're yeah. You're doing great. And yeah. we, had, we had some conversations on Twitter, uh, you know, some, some friends of ours, mutuals and everything, just sort of talking about I preferred the messed up, crusty, old man fat, but mm-hmm. I do understand – a, you know, shout out to Kelly Knox from StarWars.com that was like, well, given the emphasis on, you know, this was my father's, maybe it's a, like I need to bring it back up to code and like really pay him some respect. But then that my question is like, why did you paint it at all? But, you know, whatever. Uh, there's also the um, the angle I was brought up of rebirth and things like that. I, I saw it more as keeping the Sarlacc armor was sort of, you know, showing his story a little bit. But I yeah. also do think that, you know, we hear rumblings of things and mm-hmm. no way that next episode is going to be the end of Fett. He's not going to die. I don't think mm-hmm. uh, that this would be, you know, solidifying the new look, new paint, the black robe underneath. So I think that, you know, he's he's a, definitely a B player in this episode, but obviously caught our eye. Wanted to take some time to talk about him. Um, you know, you and I joke that he's sort of like Uncle Boba being like, where am I bringing you? Cool. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's go. <laughs> Yeah. Don't make me regret it. Here, here's 20 bucks. Don't spend it all at once. Or do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I'm it's, not your dad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pick your things or don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
yeah, it's uh, it's 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 one of those fun things. I'm. It's nice that you mentioned both um, angles people take because it's it's very low stakes. You can find a a reason for both kind of thing. Um, yeah. And so that it's it's one of the fun things to sort of go back and forth on. But it yeah, I think he looks cool, and I think he's he's a fun counter to the shiny Din. Like Din is yeah. metallic, and you know you can. Um, you know, see your face in it. And then Boba's got the sort of the flatter matte finish. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of a cool way to contrast the two of them in that regard. Visually. Absolutely. And, you know, even adding in, if, if we get Bo-Katan in a scene with the three of them, like mm-hmm. the culture is so varied, which is cool to represent uh, visually speaking as well. Yeah. So now we're sort of getting to, you know, this refinery setting and it's a jungle but a different jungle than we've seen. We've seen jungles in Star Wars, but this one had a little bit of a different flavor. There's a village along the way, but this long path, waterfalls. I really think that you know the volume this season has just been so kick-ass the entire mm-hmm. time. This one, I think, was one of the best looking uh, of the entire show, where I was like, did they like go shoot somewhere? Like this looks, <laughs> yeah. like, this looks like South America. Like it yep. looks so good. Yeah, there are times when you're like, is this the volume or not? I can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> like uh so yeah, it's it's immense credit to the the ILM team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh so we're here and they're developing this plan, fairly simple plan and I was excited about the uh the show finally doing the our heroes need to dress up like like Imperials. Mm-hmm. That's just it's a Star Wars staple. But it's the way we, happen, yeah. yeah, but the way we get there is so funny and so interesting of, you know, Mayfeld is the has to go. He's the one in the video game where it's like, you must take Mayfeld because he has the special ability for the <laughs> But then it's the, uh, he's like, oh, well, this is ISB. This is an old ISB base, you know, that they, they established it. So your genetic code will pop up if you're wanted. Kara's like, nope, can't do it. Fennec's like, nah, me neither. <laughs> and then Boba, and then Boba, they won't recognize my face. That, that line. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, that line is just next level. It's like, and yeah, we were laughing on this at our at our uh, Imperial Senate episode where <laughs> I think Charlie pointed out that people were like, oh, is it because he's a bounty hunter? And I'm like, no, it's because he's a clone, you fools. <laughs> <laughs> clone humor. It's like uh, bro- broke bounty hunter, yeah. woke clone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, I love that line so much. Any, anytime you say, let's just say, at the beginning of any sentence. Oh, just, yeah. It's, it's great. You know, gold's coming out. It's great. Uh, but also, I do want to give a shout out real quick to Ming-Na because like her delivery sort of gets buried by Boba's joke. Mm-hmm. But the way that she was like, no, I can't do it either. I'm also wanted. I was like, hey, well, of course. Like, yeah. You brought the scummiest of the scummy. Like we forget her reputation was, you know, to take her down would have gotten you immediate entry into the guild. It was yeah. a huge deal. Din didn't even want to mess with her. Yeah, he backed off. He was like, yeah. yeah, nah, not doing that. Yeah. And now that we know that she'll be in Bad Batch, presumably we'll see yep. more of her legendary status. Um, I'm, but, I'm so into her in this episode yeah, and in life cool. in general. Yeah. But, but yeah, like it, yeah, she, I, I just in general also have a soft spot for sharpshooter characters. Um, so like, when, when, yeah, so when we, uh, Crosshair Guy, Saving Private Ryan, I love that oh, guy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just I love that sort of archetype of person, and you know we get to those action beats later where she's just doing cool stuff. So yeah, it. But you're right, the Boba line does sort of like 
take the cake on everything. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it is a fun reminder, just a little poke at like, yeah, we're dealing with like the baddest <laughs> people in the galaxy here. Yeah, where it's like suddenly, and again, it's all about comparative storytelling where someone like Mayfeld doesn't want to even go on a mission that could possibly cross Gideon. Now Din is realizing like, oh, am I the, am I like the baby face here? Like, am yeah. I the, am I the baby, like the child? Like, no. am, am I like a goody two shoes in comparison to all of you? And it's like, yeah, you are. Like you may have had a criminal past with, you know, uh, uh, what was his name? Rask, Hask, Rask, mm-hmm. you know, uh, from the prisoner. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and Xion and, and Quinn, but you have not, you know, come close to the actual, like, leaving devastation in your wake that, mm-hmm. you know, the people you're surrounding yourself with. And they're all united by circumstance to you. But all of these people could probably drop you. You know, you are in a dangerous, dangerous corner of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's really, it is funny seeing Din like grapple with that like yeah am i the responsible one <laughs> like like yeah. do i do i have to start making the the like the tough decisions here and uh, again going just back to that sort of thematic thing of you know talking about rick family you and dope like this idea of what do you do when your decisions are bad and worse right like yeah. um and this is i mean this is where so much of what um this episode's about starts where let's let's chip away at the creed like mm-hmm. like, like what is what is too like what is um is, again like what mayfeld talks about what what are the lines that you're not willing to cross until you need to and exactly this is this is where we start um mm-hmm. and there was a moment where like he reaches up to his helmet I'm like shit is he about to take that thing off now yeah <laughs> um and like, <laughs> i was like i was like okay okay we're not there yet easy, but, easy yeah now. yeah it was it was um it's a big deal. Again, these are these are big character moves for yeah. for the show. They are, and I I just looked up that character's name from the prisoner. His name was Ran, and you know I was thinking about him because he is that first voice in the show that is trying to tell Din who he is. Mm-hmm. You get Pelly to a lesser extent saying, "Well, you're his dad. Take care of him." But it was Ran that was like, you know, remember the good old days, Mando, yeah. like. I know who you are, you know, you're a scumbag. Yep. Like all of that stuff, you know, you poked him and you poked him, you poked him until he proved who he was as a Mandalorian. This really is the sequel to that in terms of what you're saying, because now it's the remove all of the cool toys and everything. A, in terms of the fighting, you know, that fight on top of the transport is a metaphor for what he's going through. Mm-hmm. He now is sort of like, man, but like who is Din Djarin? Like we know who Mando is. What yeah. Ran and that crew learned is how Mando's changed, which is great. You know, he probably used to use his armor to hurt people and, and yeah. steal whoever he did. But Mando is off the table for this episode now. Yeah. Who is Din? And what we've seen in a really funny and cute way is that he's kind of awkward and like very dorky and uncomfortable. Mm. And you can tell how naked he feels. Yeah, uh, he fe- he feels naked, even in a stormtrooper armor, let alone unmasked in one. Right, it's it's so funny when he's just stood there, like like you know, straight back, shoulders back, uh, just sitting in the chair, being as still as can be because he feels 
so vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and, and not, again, not from a, my, yeah, my best guard can take anything. Like, he feels vulnerable, like, emotionally <laughs> without his armor. Yeah. Um, and it, it makes you wonder, again, like, he hands the armor to Kara, and he's like, please take care of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it's like, imagine if anything happened to it. Um, yeah. I mean, again, like, just big character moves. Like, that's a big deal. Like, we, we're, seeing, we're seeing Din challenged. You know, mm-hmm. like we saw it, we saw it in the tragedy. He lost his house. He lost his kid. Now, now it's like, yeah, what, it, what else are you, those things were taken. Now he's having to give stuff up. Like he's having to strip away these pieces of comfort of identity. And, and it's like, and it's all, you know, to, to get this, you know, this child back. Um, yeah. I got, I got to give another shout out to, to Ken Napsok, who actually invoked the high sparrow of strip away your finery and, yeah. and what will we find? Like it really is, you know, a, you know, similar to like, like a breaking bad type thing of, you know, like how much can we tear a man down, which is so star Wars and it, you know, it's so felony too. And obviously this is a Rick episode, but you know, with Dave as executive producer sort of mm-hmm. hammering in those, those George themes it reminded me sort of of Obi-Wan of like, look what I've risen above. And yeah. this is a story about someone who is currently rising above, but also Miggs is somebody who maybe could have, but really didn't have a great chance. I mean, he invokes Operation Cinder, which is a cool cannon drop and you don't need to know what it was, but when you do, it sort of has that added weight of like, oh my God, like mm-hmm. you have seen hell. Like that was one of the worst things that the Empire ever did on its own planets and and it was just uh fascinating to get there but there is this whole action sequence before we actually dive into the mess hall uh dialogue scene and Mm -hmm. this action sequence you know it's not unheard of you know to do a train job type thing it's not really a train but it it sort of feels like one yeah Uh, and you know definitely reminiscent of solo things like that being on top of it but just the again you said it best like Rick Famuyiwa has got it out for Pedro Pascal, man. He just wants to beat him. <laughs> he just yeah. wants to beat him up, man. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not. I mean, it's great for us, not great for Din. <laughs> yeah, physically. But again, it's it's. I think it it was fun seeing. I think you know we 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 see. I don't know to what degree we accept he is special because of the Beskar, right? Like. You know, like he can take hits, he can take punches, and in the first one, he uses his helmet to like block the guy's punch, and the guy's like ah, um, and it's like, it, I think it was just it's fascinating to see him fight without that, and he's still very good, obviously, um, but it was it was I think just a cool moment for us to also acknowledge that this guy as a warrior is way more than the armor, right? Yeah, absolutely, and you know shout out to the stunt choreography and and coordinators for including moments that show the viewer that he is muscle memory functioning a little bit mm-hmm. and is like allowing his shoulder to go full on into someone's reach and then all of a sudden that pauldron just breaks off like right, there's moments right. like that where you you can tell that the character is like oh damn like this is crap armor yeah. but it's also cool because a lot of this episode is about how is din perceived by others and Mm -hmm. you know and we get migs as that person and it all builds to a really touching moment between the two guys later but you know mayfeld is driving and so he has din go out there 
from his perspective, he remembers the first time that he challenged Din in The Prisoner of, you know, how, how good is Amando really? Then he thinks Din ran away. Then Din comes around the corner and takes out all those droids like, like Batman. And it's, yeah. you know, it's one of the coolest little fight sequences in the whole show. Mm-hmm. So he has this perception of like, oh, I'm sending the Mandalorian up there. Like, we're going to be fine. He realizes now what this guy is putting himself through. A lot of this episode, without even having Grogu in it, is underlining the importance of Grogu because it is showing Mayfeld and therefore us, what is he willing to put himself through to get the little green guy back? You know, because mm-hmm. in chapter six, he was like, what is this, your pet? Like, did yeah. you two make this? Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then now, and then it was little green guy because he has that inkling of like, you guys are bringing me out of prison to get him back? Like, must mm-hmm. be important. Then this entire episode builds toward, hey, good luck getting your kid back, man. Like yeah. it, it all is the, is the changing perceptions of Din and of the child. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that's, that's one of the, again, like <laughs> hitting us, hitting us with that Mayfeld arc that literally not a single person on this earth saw coming. No one. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I love that little green guy line. It's like, it's like he almost forgot him. Right. Yeah. It's like it's like literally he was someone's dog who's just like saw in passing, um, yeah. And and yeah, it's it's such a great um, you know thematic sort of journey that this episode does so well in in one, like the, a little over half an hour. Um, it's it, yeah, I just I'm I'm so impressed by the character work that was done. Yeah, tell me about the scene not even the scene, the couple of shots of this, you know, of the, of the natives of this area that live across the bridge from the refinery. Did you, did that harken back to, you know, chapter four for you a little bit of Omera and Winta? That's what I gathered from it. Maybe reminding mm-hmm. him like, A, there's a peaceful life, but also B, what's at stake that it's for all kids as much as it is for my kid, you know, like what we're doing standing up to these people. Yeah, and and I think it was also, um, I mean, it, it introduced. It was like sort of the vehicle for this introduction of, I guess, a cynical man's take on power structure, <laughs> which yeah. I think is also very poignant for <laughs> just life in general and how we perceive politics and and you know this idea of the way of things and you know someone's on top someone's on bottom that's how it is doesn't matter who it is you look at these people outside the window you think they know what the new republic is you think they care you think their lives are any different when it whether it's new republic or empire i think that's i think it's like it's a conversation that we as people who know star wars we know (laughs) light and dark we know these things like we know of course the new republic is better than than the empire but i think in universe, certainly, I think it's a really cool concept to interrogate, and yeah. it's something that something that's very uh, appropriate for this story about people operating on the fringes. And right. it's like it's like, you I mean you look around the um, the people of the Mandalorian. It's like did did Return of the Jedi really change their lives? No, I don't think it did. For Kara, yeah. <laughs> for Kara, it just ended up changing the kind of work she was doing, but she was still like she says, like suppressing riots for grief. Grief now is trying to legitimize Navarro, he says, like as a trading outpost, mm. as like a little hub in that area. But you go back to, you know, to the sin and he's like, 
well, if you feel bad about it, why don't you go to the core and report it to the old, to the new Republic? Like, I'm sure it'll go great. Uh, yeah. they, don't, they don't take it seriously, which, you know, is, I guess, smartly why they are now going to tell that, that side of the story with Rangers of the New Republic um, mm-hmm. being a companion to this show. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that they keep underlining and it goes all the way back, you know, to, I was going to say the earliest point in the timeline that we have canonically, but now we have High Republic, but right. to Phantom Menace of, you know, the, the Republic doesn't exist out here, you know, to yeah. Padme and Jar Jar and Qui-Gon. It's like, do you think that like things are just okay because your perception of them is okay? Has always been such a George Lucas thing and always consider how the other half lives. And it's timeless, you know? It is timeless, yeah. yeah and yeah. Sadly, it is timeless because yeah. you, I mean, you just, again, not to like get too depressing, but it's like, we all use our iPhones and the stuff in those phones are not acquired in ways that if I told you how we get that, you'd yeah. be like, what? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but it's, it's life. And it's like, and you don't think, you don't think about it when you're, you know, watching The Mandalorian on your iPhone. No, you don't. But like, I mean, it's the but, conversation even of like veganism or ethical veganism. You know, mm-hmm. like there's, there's vegans and I'm not on, a, on an anti-vegan thing, whatever, if you're vegan, <laughs> wonderful. But it, right. is a, it is a conversation to be had of some people that make a dietary choice in that way are sort of like, let's call them, you know, a, a New Republic person. Like, it's great because yeah. we did this. Yeah. But it's also like, yeah, but do you know how like sometimes children and like minorities like really suffer? So you can be a vegan and like get that stuff and like don't get me it, don't get me started on quinoa, man. Yeah, <laughs> like it really. Like yeah, like it's 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 a serious thing. I mean, like you know you know how many indigenous farmers fucked over with with quinoa, dude. I'm gonna tell uh, you right now. In we'll, we'll keep it Star Wars. You know, if you're listening, we'll keep it Star Wars. In canon, it is canon that many Ewoks after the Battle of Endor became calf farmers. And they all started oh, yeah. you know, working in the coffee bean uh, trade. I think that's in Aftermath. I'm pretty sure it is. Because um, yeah. I think Aftermath also establishes that some wounded rebel vets would get Ewoks as like uh, therapy companions. And that that was an alternate profession to like calf farming. Still not sure how I feel about that one. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> Conceptually, I think it's great until I remember that these are like, I won't say like highly sophisticated, but like they're sentient. They're not. They're yeah. not dogs. Yeah, they're, they're not dogs. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's that's the simplest way. They're not some, dogs. Some some rebel veteran is like, you know, like come on, come on, fetch, fetch. Yeah, <laughs> and then they're like, I'm a shaman. Like, right. Like I'm, he's like, <laughs> you pulled me away from my tribe. <laughs> they're lost. They're lost without me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was responsible for educating all of our young. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So that was a fun tangent. There you go. <laughs> but no. But it, but it was all relevant because mm-hmm. that that's a theme that the show keeps hammering. I mean, even the Jedi, the Jedi, and the Marshal both show you what happens in an Imperial vacuum area. Yeah. Where it was like. All of a sudden, you know, the forces are gone. What happens? Someone rolls into Mos Pelgo, a mining, you know, mining group uh, that are really bandits, kind of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, thank God they had Cobb Vanth to, to run them out of town. You yeah. see that over here in, uh, um, what's it called? 
um, Corvus on Corvus. And you have, you know, Morgan Elsbeth takes over and starts ruling the place like a demagogue. Yeah. And so it just becomes like this question of like, you see Carson Teva, like we think stuff's going on out here, Cara Dune. And it's like, yeah, buddy, like a lot's going on out here. Yeah. Water. But still like, you know, we'll have to figure that out later. Right. But I mean, that's why it's so important, right? Especially for us with this wider knowledge, you know, this beyond the fourth wall knowledge of, of the Star Wars universe. Like, yeah. this is how we start weaving it into that tapestry. Like, we, these debates about power structure that, you know, and things that come up again later in the episode, um, like, this is laying the groundwork for the First Order. That's true. I and, mean, all of and, this, is, there's a direct line between all this and Resistance, where Resistance Season 1 is right before Force Awakens, and there's that that building tension of like, oh, they're hanging out on the platform an awful lot. And they're yeah. just radicals, though. They they certainly wouldn't wear that armor because they're gonna do anything, uh, right? Right. You know, and and that's sort of what leads to people listening to this that may or may not have read, you know, Bloodline and things like that. That's what leads to taking an actual good person like Leia and labeling them a radical because they're pointing at this stuff so much. Mm-hmm. So it, it's interesting. I, I would be. I would be trepidatious about going all the way like to Coruscant in this show, maybe in like Rangers or Ahsoka. Like this show has a very certain vibe. Like it's not that I don't want to see a city, but I don't know if I want to see the actual core, although it could be interesting. Um, But I think that at some point, like, I don't know how you'd write it in, but they're smart. Give me like an actual, maybe on, maybe on hollow or something. Give me like a Senate hearing or something. Yeah. Like show something like like an explosive argument or, you know, a, Give me like a, you know, I don't want to make it too on the nose and, and too maybe insensitive, but give me like an Imperial denier or like, like a Palpatine denier or, mm-hmm. or, or something. I mean, uh, you know, Death Star denier, Alderaan denier. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, um, that's peppered in like through, you know, people like Kesterfo and, yeah. Um, even even like the the way the trade federation like what's in lot dodd like yeah. the way he like operates like he's like what what are you talking about like that didn't happen who are you gonna believe you're gonna believe this guy and yeah. it's like, <laughs> and like, uh, didn't they stay was it like 16 trials or something or like the the trade federation after phantom menace yeah went, went to court like 16 times or something and like they were yeah, just their lawyers must be so rich. No, they're it's the least. best. Yeah. It's, it's the Saul Goodmans of the galaxy. Just like right. the scummiest of the scum. Yeah, it's um it's fascinating. And yeah, I so I, I mean, yeah, you say you say it'd be like interesting and I agree. And it's like I don't think it's that far of a stretch to yeah. to introduce that concept. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So so Mayfell definitely at this point in the episode is highlighting those themes. And again, like I said something that Rick does it so well is that you think he's just going to be the one that points them out. You do mm-hmm. not think that he has his own damage because yeah. knowing that Mayfell was coming back in the previous chapter, I thought he was going to ruin the job. I thought that same. he was going to exact same that he was going <laughs> to screw him and side with Gideon or right. when, we, when we saw the troopers and he was, he started to salute them. I thought he was going to try to get his old job back mm. or, or something to screw them or, or shoot Cara Dune. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say like, like uh, going into the episode, I was I was asking the question like, okay, so what's he gonna do to screw this up? Like, yeah, what like what is his move that is entirely self-serving and um, 
gonna stab Mando in the back? And like, what is that gonna be? And how, how like deliciously exciting is that gonna be? And just kind of like fun drama and not trauma drama that we get. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah. it's, it's like, oh, he's, it's like he ruins sing because he kind of has good, <laughs> like he understands this, you know, this binary of good and bad kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so before, again, we get into that, there is a little bit more of the chase, some fun action beats. I love the escalation of one pirate skiff, then two, yeah. and then like eight all coming at him at the end. Uh, I thought for sure that it was going to be Slave 1, but I love that TIE Fighter moment because it it's a nice visual indicator of like, and now we're in, you know, even worse enemy space. And, yeah. you know, this is, this is, this is where it stands now. This is a fully, a fully operational, uh, you know, re- refinery in the same yeah. way that the forward base on Navarro was where you're, it tells the viewer like, and it should jar the viewer. I mean, I've had some people that maybe are a little bit more casual in Star Wars say like, well, I thought that this was after Palpatine. And it's like, well, yeah, that's the point is that it should mm-hmm. be a shocking revelation of like, Jesus, like they've it's got not a spice dream exactly yeah Yeah. it's it's so true yeah and yeah you think like after jack who which is four years ago at this point that it would have been you know they're just hanging out on you know in bars on tatooine but it's like no like it was an empire for a reason Mm -hmm. it wasn't just you know it wasn't like nazi germany like it wasn't a part of a planet you know like they were a intergalactic planetary empire Mm. and they were beaten by a smaller force anyway. So, you know, the new Republic didn't just suddenly become Imperial in size, you know, right after to be able to snuff all this out. So it's, it's a cool way to show like, Oh, there's still tie pilots. They're still training. They're still, you know, uh, computer systems fully active and they have their coordinates and their plans. And this is still, you know, the end stages of war, even though the galactic concordance was already signed, um, there is still a lot going on. So you get that cool reveal. We move in, you know, there's the line of, I bet you would never be happy to see stormtroopers. Yeah. Um, which is directly to the audience. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Directly to us. And then also on a rewatch, I was like, uh, you're telling us that we're about to love Mayfeld, aren't you? Like that we're (laughs) about to be like, with this Imperial guy is about to become one of our new faves. Uh, so then they get in here and it becomes very, uh, straightforward. It seems, of uh, okay, cool. There's the console. Then Mayfeld has this reaction and he's like, I can't go in there because it's my boss or my yeah. old boss, uh, Hass or Hess. Um, mm. what was your reaction to that? And did you like me think it was going to be simpler? I thought it was going to devolve into a shootout or something like right there. Like he would get caught or that he had screwed him or something and there was Exactly. Be, yeah. Yeah. That was that was always you know like yeah how's Mayfeld going to screw this up for his own good kind of thing. Um I guess my first question is <laughs> when did Rick Famuyiwa get the cast list for Batman Begins? <laughs> because right in, the prisoner he brings in Homie, I can't. I get you brought up his rant. Was it ran, rank? Oh, uh, ran. Yeah, ran. Who was uh? Who was the scummy cop? Not exactly. I say I want to say Bullock because he basically is Harvey Bullock from the comics, but he's uh-huh. the name of the movie. But yeah, and then Joe Chill, <laughs> and then Joe Chill. <laughs> 
going in as as Valen Hess, I think. Valen Hess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think again, going back to this um this idea that we brought up earlier of Din having to strip away layer by layer and keep crossing those lines that Mayfeld brought up. Um I think it was always sort of you know, since then in my mind what way like are we gonna see the face like it it's Chekhov's face right um <laughs> like he's got the he's got the helmet and he you know it's like I said I thought he was gonna take it off then but he didn't yeah he's like okay well, let's put the armor then and then um so with with the idea of Chekhov's face coming it was almost just like oh okay so here it is this is this is the end game for this episode um yeah. So I think I was I was pretty excited about the this idea of this complication because it it sort of it got to that level of we're gonna see the face now um, because someone has to do this and yeah. and I think I think also um, another sort of funny thing of this episode going back to the scene where they're watching and deciding who goes I love how on multiple occasions people were so ready to pull the plug on the mission <laughs> like. So like everyone was yeah. I, I think maybe except boba but everyone like Kara's like that's it deals off yeah and, exactly <laughs> and now mayfeld's like nope abort it we're going abort abort mission abort um like it's over bye see ya and and again this this idea of mando mando will not take no yeah on when when grogu's involved um, yeah and and the growth again i mean as a man but also just like he doesn't realize it yet and he hasn't acknowledged it yet at least that he maybe realizes, um, although I would argue that the speech at the end definitely makes it clear. It's not about quests. It's not about what the armorer said anymore. Um, because really, if you wanted to be an asshole about it, you fulfilled the armorer's quest. Jedi said no. And you, and you yep. went an extra step further. You went to Tython. You went to a, a key Jedi world, did a whole force thing. It could be in the, in the galaxy's hands now. You could just mm-hmm. let him go. You know, some Jedi will rescue him. And yeah. Maybe Din in chapter one, who was all about the credits, just trying to keep gas in the tank. You know, maybe he, he would have thought differently, but he can't say no at this point because it's not about that. It's, it's his son. Like, this is, yeah. this is, this is, this is, I mean, Star Wars. Exactly. Like. <laughs> and like, and this is, this is a scene. I know you, you know, we talked about together a lot um, with the Jedi of you know the the million hearts shattering inside did when he goes i'll go get him yeah <laughs> right <laughs> and he violent he does, solo yeah like. din Djarin does not want to complete this quest no not at all yeah the quest is done in his heart he, that's just crap he's telling him he's speaking out loud um it's just and, his default reply to when people ask him to go get stuff he's yeah like, i'm on a quest already right yeah he's done and it's like and you know he doesn't say it ahsoka says it on behalf of grogu and din doesn't say it reciprocating but like he believes the same thing we have an attachment i like grogu has a formed an attachment to you and the exact same right like um so it's it's yeah it's one of those things where yeah the quest is over like right as far as din's concerned like i mean yeah yeah, plot-wise, the quest will probably not. Of be Of course, but, but yeah, yeah. But, but but you're saying like even the beginning of the tragedy, 
where he's he gets him to do the ball thing again in the cockpit. It and he's like the dog, dang Farrick. Like, yeah, it's like haha, funny. Like he's you know you can interpret it one of two ways. Either like, damn, I'm proud of you, or like, but also, damn, like, crap. Like I almost wish that you, I wish that you wouldn't do it. You know, yeah. If you would stop force pulling, I wish yeah. that, I wish that you weren't as special as I know you are. You know, because he says like you're really special, kid. Like he's he's having that. <laughs> He's gonna make me cry. Like he's, yeah. he's having that. Like, <laughs> like what Dave said about Qui Gon and Anakin. Like Qui Gon knows he's the father Anakin needs. Mm-hmm. Din believes the opposite about himself. He thinks he's not the father that Grogu needs. Mm-hmm. Din, I think, believes in his head that he would love Luke Skywalker to come along, or Ezra Bridger, someone like that, to be his father. He, mm-hmm. but but in his heart, he's like, but I want to be that guy. Like. Yeah, I want to be that guy. I mean, it's again, and like I, I told you this uh, yesterday, um, but like having watched Chef for the first time <laughs> last night, <laughs> so um, John John Favreau has a very great grasp of want versus need, and like the relationship yeah. of that in in crafting a story, mm-hmm. and and the way the way you know in Chef he he's his want is to have that fulfillment of of cooking and and the you know the recognition and blah blah blah. when the need is you need to be a good dad like that's that's what it kind of boils down to in the end as well like the 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 thing that really starts to unlock is when he realizes he's sharing this with his son Mm -hmm. and his son is interested in it and this is something that grows their relationship and i think again then we have dinjarin with this want and need and it's it's, so true yeah i mean i would even go to the often maligned and maybe deservedly so Iron Man two of how Tony is trying to crack, uh, not palladium, uh, whatever the new element is uh, mm-hmm. that he puts in his arc reactor. And he knows that it's that he's looking through Howard's research and trying to figure it out, but he can't, he's trying to contextualize it as through Howard Stark, the scientist that he picked up the legacy of, but he can't actually, um, put it into practice until he sees that old, you know, film reel of his dad yeah. talking to him and talking about the model and everything and saying, you know, I'll always love you son and things like that. Where right. That, what he needed to push him into inspiration <laughs> was, and I love you from his dad. Yeah. It wasn't no. everything yeah. he left. Yeah, exactly. It's not about the science. It's about, he needed to know that his dad loved him. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, so the coming back to Din, it's like, yeah, the one is to, deliver this child to where he needs to be because that's what it means to you know that's his life and the quest of my mandalorian honor is to fulfill this and it's like no the need that that may be the one but the need is um yeah i'm i'm a lonely man and this is my this is my boy yeah to get into the scene, I mean, even just like the way those ideas play out, I, I give a shout out to to Maggie Lovett, our friend, host of uh, Let's Talk About Star Wars on YouTube. And she, her and I talked about the episode. She's like, you got to respect Din's commitment to the bit because he's mm-hmm. like, oh, you won't do it. It needs a face scan. Going to keep the helmet on anyway. Like he yeah. walks over yeah. there as if there was any chance. Like he's like, dude, dude, dude. Like, <laughs> like. Nope, here comes the face scan. Let me just wait for to wait wait to fail. It's like he needs the computer to affirm what he already yeah. knows. This is like this is like vintage 
I believe the 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 current term now is himbo. <laughs> that's what the kids call it uh, am i using that right yeah we're like yeah it's just it's so beautifully dumb right like yeah. it's just it's just i'm gonna do this yeah he's like Watch what if the, he's like it's like <laughs> yeah. when you're like typing on your computer and your computer freezes and you're like come on you stupid piece of crap you think that talking bad to it that one time is gonna make it work mm-hmm. like, yeah this is not the time where the imperial system is suddenly gonna be more forgiving right. yeah like what if it it's not gonna work but what if it does <laughs> yeah exa- exactly you know? <laughs> exactly like unless you're yeah. han and you're prepared to just shoot it it's not gonna happen right right uh but yeah i thought that the the light tension like the music didn't swell nothing was happening all you needed was Hass kind of glancing at him a few times and the you know the normal 10 second countdown i was like <gasps> like i did not like and we'd already seen his face, but there was something about it being a choice. And yeah, yeah, it was still under duress. So like, not a choice in the grand scheme of the plan, but could have shot it, could have shot his way out, could have tried a bunch of different things, could have forced Mayfeld. Like there were ways, but he was like, I can't waste time. And mm-hmm. this needs to be what it needs to be right now. And it, it's a choice for the story. A choice for his son is to bend the creed. And it proves Mayfeld right in a positive way instead of the cynical way that he presents it. And then, you know, it's uh, what's your TK number? <laughs> Which is one of my favorite deliveries. Oh, man. He's great. You know, shout out to uh, not just Joe Chill, but also our first Night King. Uh, yeah, yeah. He is a great character actor in the Rob Zombie films. And, and Hass is such an interesting character because he is, we know in the context of the canon, not really a chosen one because he's not in the first order. Like he clearly did not get to leave, um, mm. you know, to the unknown regions, but he's a believer that's still around. He believes yeah. in the fascism and he believes in order. And oh, that, that was, whole, that was chilling. Yeah. Oh, it's, it it's, really it's was. gross. Like it's really gross, yeah. especially right now in these times, like when he gets shot, it's super satisfying. But, but mm. before that, there's, there's, excellent comedy of pedro playing this nakedness this stupidness on his face which is just yeah. the stupidity is just just oozing of the i don't know what tk numbers are oh god they can see me am i being it's, perceived yeah like <laughs> yeah it's very it's very satisfying having your hero know absolutely nothing like mm-hmm. he has no idea what to do like yep. he, he just he comes up with that crap of like what's your designation and he's like uh pilot <laughs> or something I like drive like drive tanks. yes yeah i drive. I drive the thing um and yeah it's uh it was awesome and there's um another thing i felt i i don't know i haven't watched it like i haven't watched it today so i don't know if um i have this this like the correct reading of the scene but I, I liked how casual taking the helmet off was, at least from a, like, a filming standpoint. Like from the character point of view, yeah. we know how big a deal that was. But when, but when he took off the helmet, like you said, there wasn't the swelling music. There wasn't the, oh my God, here's the camera angle for the helmet taking off thing. It was just, I need to take this off. And, you know, it was, um, there and was it's, something it's, kind they of like, hold on him. It's not like grab, cut to Mayfeld, right. Mayfeld looks like, yeah, they, they're none of that like drama, but we know, because again, we know this character so well now 
that's that is life changing. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. And and yeah, there's no close up on the hand going to the rim. No, and, exactly. You know, it's it was just it was so casually done, but with like mega implications of what's going on. And so yeah, that yeah. was that was just a cool choice. And then yeah, this this Hass guy is it Hass or Hass? I can't remember now. I think it's Hass. Um, yeah. And and again, how how Rick Famuyiwa is that? Mm -hmm. Those understated choices. Right. Where, you know, he, he could have done so much more with that moment if he wanted to, but less really is more in the same way of, you know, how do we first fall in love with Grogu? I mean, really love at first sight, but like it's it's Grogu like gonna hop out of my pram and walk over and then he Mando puts him back. Like yeah, that those little beats are more powerful than any dialogue they could have done there than any explanation. Exactly. Exactly. Here is the same sort of philosophy of like, damn, like it happened. And then you don't get to process it because then this guy shows up. Yeah. And just another character I want to shout out <laughs> for, um, I think it's Richard Brake is the, the actor's name. Yeah, I believe Richard um, Brake, yeah. I, he plays in the first Kingsman movie, the, like <laughs> in their like last trial when um, they're about to get like run over by a train and he's like the one questioning them. He's like, who is Kingsman? Yeah. <laughs> like, he's also that guy. And it's just, yeah, he has this like amazing ability for these just absolute creeps um, where it's like, we don't have time to explain this guy to you. So we're going to have Richard Brake put it all on screen for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and, yeah. and what a, f a flavor Favreau and Dave have given to Imperials overall in this show Mm -hmm. Where it's like the one in the heiress who is, you know, long live the empire, who does the yeah. electro chip in his mouth and and now has like, these are, I think, very intentionally, A, Americans uh, yeah. being cast, you know, and I think that it's to show you that these are the, the discarded remnants. I think that the remnant feeling more like gross cowboy empire Mm -hmm. is intentional and it works really well yeah and i think it's there are so many things you can look upon through this through the scene where they talk about operation cinder and it's like it made me think of a few different things uh but like most notably for me it was you know take someone like um agent callus who tried to play the part of you know isb agent but when when you started digging in the the things he experienced with the genocide of the Lasat, like that hurt him. Yeah. Um and and he, you know, he gets to go on the arc he goes on. And you know, again, that's because there is inherent goodness in the character. Um or or you know, or at least a desire to be better. Mm -hmm. And you don't get that with this guy. And and yeah. it also remind it also reminds me of um uh what's it called squadrons where you play as imperials but these are like you're playing as your like mild-mannered imperials who are like you know we just like we just like structure you know and yeah. and you know and a lot of that is you know to not make you hate the people you're playing as and so there there are times where you get to explore these things of you know the imperials with this sympathetic point of view of, of sorts yeah. and yeah. like we we can kind of understand where you're coming from blah 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 and with with this guy you don't get that this guy is the reminder right. that there are there are just bad people also in this yeah. empire like he's like i'm mad to make some tough decisions that day you can tell he loved every decision he had to make 
they die um, heroes. Yeah, yeah, and it has he, that sort of he reveled you know, in it. Crafting a, a a broad spectrum of Imperials is something that I love with with Mayfeld as well because you know he wasn't high ranking, was in charge of anybody. You know, he says I was just a field oper- operative then, and he became a sharpshooter. But the idea overall in Star Wars canon of like we redeem people, and they either a die before they face like their you know real world consequences, mm-hmm. um, or they um, are sort of welcomed with open arms. You know where. You know, Finn had not killed anyone when he turned to the to the resistance. We know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Leia didn't really ask a lot of questions on screen. Uh, and Iden Versio and, you know, Del Mico are mm-hmm. welcomed very quickly by Lando and Leia in the Battlefront story. And, you know, this sort of just keeps happening where, you know, Callus probably has the most, you know, takes a little bit like Kanan doesn't trust him at first. And it, take, it takes a bit for Callus. Um, but even by the end, like the war ends and they're not putting him on trial for his role in, you know, in anything. Uh, right. so it was cool to see, even though it's not a trial, it's not a real consequence. It was cool to see Mayfeld being the first ex-imperial really in star Wars. Who's like suffering, who yeah. is like Bill Burr, like puts it all out there in the scene with this guy, the shakes, He's the get glazed over in the eyes, like when this is being talked about. Mm-hmm. The rage and and Pedro being a great scene partner is like looking at him like, come on, dude, not now. Like, yeah, like you who like has been just a wisecracking ass since I met you, and all of a sudden you decide to get serious on me. Like, yeah, it's all building and and using what you described with Hass of like sometimes they're just bad people, and then this guy Mayfeld who is like undeniably done terrible things i mean we've seen him do terrible things he would have he would have killed and betrayed mando if he had the chance and mm. mando was, didn't get the jump on him but he becomes a human because he's like i mean i'm bad but like you're the worst and it's yeah. it's when Hass says like with this redonium you just gave me you know there's gonna be a bunch more like whatever he says like you're like yeah. oh my that, that's when mayfeld has that like snap like i described it like django you know where yeah. it was in django and chain spoiler alert for a great movie that is now eight years old uh yeah it's, is, it's been out is, a while which is crazy <laughs> uh but he you know throughout there's obviously you know slavery at the forefront of this movie and one of our heroes dr king schultz played by christoph Waltz, is very disgusted obviously with everything going on he's clearly perturbed the entire time that they're in the presence of the villain of the movie and you think he could just play it down because he's so cool and collected throughout the movie. But there's just a moment where he's just like, you know what? The world will be better off without you. And it just snaps behind his eyes and he's just like, bam, just kills him. Yeah. And, the, then, um, and it just I happens. always, yeah, I always, it's one of those things where, you know, when you like watch a movie and the delivery of a line, like will just always stay with you. Yeah. And, and for me, it's the Alexander Dumas black line. Like, it, it's it's just like you can that's like you're talking about like that is when like he's done right and and yeah. it just and it keeps going and and yeah he's he's so over it and and that's the and then you know the the you know the end where he's you know that what they, they really want order is is sort of the uh i forget what mayfeld says in response before he pulls the blaster but he kind of says it with a chuckle that's mm-hmm. the you really want me to shake your hand yeah like that's where yeah. i was just like it's about to be a shootout. Like that's when I really felt it. Yeah. Uh, and it's 
awesome and it's so satisfying. Is there anything else you want to say about that conversation build up before we yeah, get just, into the I think one yeah, one thing really quickly, um again, just sort of talking like retouching the things we talked about with these Imperials, like I think it's an important thing to show because you like you said, you had Aiden and there is a character, I think Erika Quell in um yeah. Alphabet. Alphabet. I've yeah. not I've not finished Alphabet. But I think I sort of know enough to say, like, Cinder messed her up, too. Yeah. Um, but I think just focusing on people, like, I can't speak fully on. Um, like, you take Mayfeld and, and Aiden and how they dealt with Operation Cinder. And you have Aiden who was like, okay, I'm going to step up. I'm going to stop this. I'm going to fight against it. And then you have May Mayfeld who couldn't. Like, it, it broke him. And it, I think it's, like, it's a very fascinating way to take this this you know event and how we perceive it and through other characters and to make someone and say like pretty blatantly not everyone's a hero like some people can't can't continue they don't right? have either like the, the i don't want to say backbone but there's a and not even moral fiber it's a strength that yeah. you know and so much of it is george like you know choices for these 12 year olds and even in mm -hmm. battlefront 2 like when when Del Mico is given the opportunity to be better, it's because Luke flat out says it's about a choice to be better. Yeah. Mayfeld felt robbed of choice. Yeah. He and he just becomes a bitter mass hole in space. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's what he says. He says it to Mando too. How many Mandos who died had a say in it? Or like or wanted to be there or something, you know. I forget exactly the, the term or the words he used, but this is something like he's gone on about. He's like, yeah, those five, five to 10,000, my division, they didn't have a say. Right. And yeah. like just this idea of being robbed of choice. And, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it was just really cool to see that. Cause I mean, cause of course we saw it so, so clearly with Aiden, this, this choice to say, I can, I can do this. I'm going to stand against this. This was wrong. And yeah. I think it's, it just speaks to real life so well where, I mean, you see atrocities or um, tragedies or, you know, things that you know are bad. And some people can step up and organize and say, this is how we do it. This is how we fight this. This is how we organize. This is how we fund it. You know, whether that's, you know, you know they, people can stand up, whether it's setting up a fundraiser or setting up a... Uh, an attack <laughs> we were, yeah. for, for lack of better uh just to show the escalation kind yeah, of thing just some sort of um, yeah and and not everyone can do that no you know no. some some people see something that's bad and they're like i don't know what to do with that and i and they want and they sort of back off and and internalize that trauma mm -hmm. and i think that's it's such a it's such a key part of of star wars also how do you deal with your trauma? Yeah. And that's and, such a key theme statement for this show. Yeah. Everyone is broken. I mean, even the most wise of the characters, which I would argue is Quill so far, Quill comes from enslavement and, you know, all of his lines, like, you know, with the work of my hands, like all that stuff that he says, like it, it, it just emphasizes how you deal with it and what you do to rise above it. Um, yeah. Before we get out like, of this conversation, there is one note about. Mm. Oh, go ahead. Or are you going to say one more thing about oh, that? Oh, this was just like a really small thing. But like, 
my sister is a psychiatrist <laughs> and she's having a sort of like star wars renaissance right now um yes. which is always fun i need a whole and, paper yeah and so like i always get these things of like um wow people really just need to like <laughs> talk through their feelings and it's like it's i mean that's so much of anakin right is not only having feelings but not knowing what to do with the feelings and not having a space to go through those feelings mm -hmm. right and it's 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 always funny to me watching or thinking about it from a from a psychiatrist's point of view because that means you're writing interesting characters if if someone whose like literal job is to like analyze the brain right. <laughs> and understand how the brain is like making you do things um if they're intrigued by your character relationships that means you're doing something cool and absolutely and it, it's it's so like this was such a big one for that like just thinking about trauma like it is capital t trauma like in this episode yeah oh and, and speaking on that i mean that's that segues perfectly into what i was gonna say which is and i didn't think of it until this recording so now i want to watch the, the scene again when Hass is giving the whole they think they want freedom what they really want is order that whole thing is clearly for mayfeld to react to but we gotta keep in mind din Djarin is sitting there probably a couple weeks removed from finding out he was raised in a cult <laughs> in, in a in a purist cult yeah in an, let's in not an, let's not forget that yeah, yeah like in an yeah. like he hasn't talked about it because mm. who's he talking about it with like no one really uh he probably is gonna have to see Bo again before he gets real answers um he has found all that out he's internalized it he hasn't really gotten to talk about it yet it's got to be an interesting thing for this character to hear you know like people think they want freedom what they really want is order and not necessarily is the armorer freedom versus order i mean din wasn't a, a slave like he was allowed to just go live his life he was a bounty hunter like he had freedom but what they really want is order ulterior motives you know for, for, to get the gears turning on din especially after he's just removed the helmet because that's the first thing that she asks him in the sin have you ever removed your helmet in front of somebody has it ever been removed by someone else mm -hmm. next time he sees her her first two questions are probably going to be is the quest complete did you ever remove your helmet to someone you know she's going to give him that rundown and he's going to have to yeah. lie or fight probably yeah and it's going to be i mean i've been predicting din versus armor not as a as the end game of the show but I've been predicting that as like a season boss battle for a little bit. I think it it's coming where we're going to find out either that the horns on her helmet are that she was like a Maldalorian or, or, or something about her that drove her to this cult mentality or something. Have you seen speculation <laughs> again, because this is what Star Wars people do. Um, but I've, I've seen people speculate that it's, it's like a Rook cast level kind of, person is the armorer hmm. um not that i like super have an opinion about it but i think it would be interesting if it if it did tie that that closely into the maldalorians yeah something about just sort of like you know splintering off because Bo is like Bo's standing here a former member of death watch and yeah saying you're weird and she's saying <laughs> yeah oh, they took it too far these yeah guys. uh yeah. so yeah so that was just interesting then we get this really awesome moment you know as the shootout happens and Mayfeld takes out a bunch of the guys. Din takes out a guy. Then it's the, you did what you had to do. I didn't see your face. Very, very Boston, but also very like, just like he'd already, yeah, yeah. He'd already yeah. showed that he cared by coming over and helping him talk his way out of the conversation. 
but that moment is so like man mayfeld you want to be a crew member on on slave one man you want to hang out forever i guess i i want to ask you something now because i've been like sort of wondering myself what what the motivation behind like mayfeld was on every level like so when when he sees mando take off the helmet Mm-hmm. And he comes back to him with like this respect. Do you think it's like, do you think it's because he is understanding what he'll go through to get to the, to get back to Grogu or is it having been proven right? <laughs> I think it's, I think it's B, but it leads back to A. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that maybe when he saw, because there is one shot, it's not when he unmasks, but when he's typing, there is one shot of Mayfeld where he kind of is like hiding, then he looks. That right there is probably the, haha, like, you, you are bending rules like I said you would. But then I think Mayfeld post-killing him, post-killing Hass, that's probably when it sets in in a bigger theme. And I think it's, is it about Grogu? Maybe not necessarily, because Mayfeld hasn't interacted with him that much. Mm-hmm. But it's the idea of a person in power caring about anyone, mm-hmm. I think is cool. Because not that Din has leadership of anything, really, but he's a Mandalorian. You know, there's a, an ancient sort of, there's a, a presence in the galaxy. I think it was just the idea that Mayfeld has been so consistently disappointed and his origin story is about seeing how the innocents get tossed aside. He says, like, you know, all those, what is it, mud scuffers and, like, or mud scrapers, something like that. All, all those oh, yeah. people, the families, you know, people in their homes. He, he cites all of these beings that like could have been helped and weren't. And I think mm. that he, not knowing that the little green guy is special, he's probably like, man, like someone's willing to do this, like for an insignificant toddler, basically. I think sort of, I think he wishes that he had encountered more of that probably in his yeah. life. Yeah, because like, I, I think, yeah, I think you're right in that. And, but I always keep coming to this, I, this statement he makes of like, yeah, we're not so different. And, and I love this idea that he, he sees Din cross those lines because he needs to. And, and it's all, it's like this mutual understanding. He's like, I know you because I am you <laughs> like kind yeah. of a, attitude from Mayfeld's point of view. And so, yeah, I think it, again, it just adds layers, right? Like, Maybe right. it's not an either, it's not an either or. It is just it's it's multi layered in how he understands. Um, no, absolutely. I mean, this, I, this need, yeah. I'm not trying to be like, you know, so presumptuous as to say that I could write an episode of this show. But if Mayfeld were to show up again, maybe in the Rangers of the New Republic show, like maybe away from Din, I would love it if you know the Rangers bring him in for a job and he says like, all right, but you know, no women, no kids. Like if he was one of those hitmen now. Like mm-hmm. you can see that he has a little bit more of a refined code next time we see him, I yeah. think would be a really like poignant sort of period or, you know, cause we see that in movies sometimes like, you know, killers, like I don't, I don't kill women. I don't kill children like that type yeah. of thing to see him sort of evolved as a man would be interesting. But uh, then it's, you know, it's a really fun escape. It's really cool. You know, we get Fennec, we get car. It's a lot of action here, taking out uh, gunners. Um, mm-hmm. there's I love the, that. The like calling out, yeah. shots for each other it's oh, so it's, cool it's awesome it's yeah. awesome which i'm sure is, was really cool for you as a fan of sharpshooters yeah to see sort of fennec in her element because she does it a little bit in chapter five but we didn't really get to enjoy it 
um, because it was it was nighttime and we were focused on on Toro and Din. Um, and then obviously the tragedy was all close quarters for the most part. But mm. this sequence sort of has the looming presence of Boba Fett, where he checks in on the <laughs> microphone a couple times. But yeah. he was definitely kept as a as a reserve player for this episode for good reason because slave, <laughs> slave one comes in and I swear dude they had me they had me like I didn't even think about it and he comes in they're on the roof I don't think I'm forgetting anything yeah I mean I'm not forgetting anything from the sequence it's action it's mm-hmm. action it's action get on slave one and I'm like cool we did it and then Bob was like they're on us and I'm like okay cool like dog fighting oh one quick thing mm. um Mayfeld, I believe, blows up the, the refinery before this. Is it before this? Okay. I think it is because they, they have to be like inside for that thing going up, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 well, yeah. Well, Mayfeld. Either, either way. Either, either way. way but, yeah, yeah. I can't remember the order, but yeah, you're probably right. Mayfeld, I love that it was with, you know, the Boba rifle that he took from mm-hmm. the, the Tuscan Raiders. You know, the showing, showing his sharpshooting skills because that's yes, who he was, right? We, we never get to see. Because, yeah. I mean, we see him with blasters, handguns. But yeah, that was awesome. Um, and again, emphasizing, you know, the fact that it's with a cycler rifle, like it's, you know, it, it's old, it's Tuscan Raider, like, it, you know, but it packs a punch if you play Battlefront mm-hmm. 2 with it. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he takes it out, the things we do to sleep at night, which is a really great moment, showing that he can't leave even after killing him because it wasn't about him. It was about what could they do with that? Someone yeah. else will just carry on the work. So that was powerful. Mm-hmm. But nothing was as powerful. But yes, please as, continue. As, as the, like, <laughs> these TIE fighters come out, and I swear, I'm an idiot. I'm, st- I'm sitting there. I woke up late, so it's like 5 in the morning. And I'm like, I woke up late at 5 in the morning. Uh, and it's like, cool, like Slave One's probably going to fight. Didn't even occur to me that sitting in the trunk of the car might be everyone's favorite, favorite weapon, explosive sound effect, anything in all of Star Wars. One of the few things all fans agree on, baby, I tell you, I tell you right now, <laughs> when the patch opened, I, I was like, it's been so long. Like I, time slowed down. Like it was a yeah. whole experience. You described it as a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. It was, it was the, the uphill. Yeah. Watching like, that thing fall. Yeah. Cause, cause then, because Boba doesn't turn, he doesn't like get on the gun or anything. Like he keeps going when he's like, they're on us and he's like hold on or whatever he says then it's the hatch opens and that thing falls you know nice and slow you get like a whole tracking shot of it going down i was like i I can't believe what's about to happen and then when it did perfect Ah. amount of delay i was like (laughs) i felt like i was at a concert it was amazing i mean it's one of those things where it's like i i always say i don't like doing reaction videos because I when I watch something I just kind of sit and watch it yeah this was this was an exception (laughs) because like Mm -hmm. I literally literally put my arms in the air like I was going up the hill of a roller coaster and like I was a little different in not like I kind of was expecting it at some point Mm. just because I was like what you put you put slave one on the table it's like you you gotta you got to yeah. have this. It's like we're, we're post attack of the clones. We're already getting so many attack of the clones, like just little nods and winks and kisses. <laughs> and um, this is a big smooch from, 
from Attack of the Clones. And and it's it was one of the, I had I had my own spice dream. I think I talked about I talked about this on one of the I guess our tragedy episode for ISB. And I was like, my my spice dream for the seismic charge was slave ones being chased by like the entire squadron of dark troopers. And Boba's like, I got this. And he drops <laughs> and he drops the seismic charge on him. That was like my little spice dream. So I've been waiting for it. And as soon as as soon as I saw the ship going up with the ties behind it, knowing gravity would handle that seismic charge, I was like, oh please. Oh please. And then then you get you get Boba. He's watched his dad. I'm sure he, and I'm sure he's done it plenty of times in the past. And then you get that simply I mean, there's no other way than iconic that framing of the hatch opening, right? Like yeah. that is that is the shot for the seismic charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's like you said, it's like time stood still, and I I wonder what it's like to have been. Um, is it David Acord and and Matt Wood who work on on Mando? I want to say yeah. I know Matt Wood. Yeah, I think, I think it's David too. Okay. Um, I want to know like how much joy they took in like you have, in, like, to, get, you have to immediately getting that mixed down you have to email like, ben burt right like you have yeah. to be like ben ben we're gonna do it we're doing it <laughs> uh, like, it's so like yeah. it's just an email no subject line like we're doing yeah. it uh right. yeah it's just uh eternally satisfying and they they underline it or, or period or highlight whatever you want to say with the ground shot too of fennec and Cara looking, looking up, up yeah. at it and seeing Slave yeah. One fly away and just the way that the blue, you know, I don't know if it's plasma or energy, whatever it is, lingering in the sky is just, you could hear like Boba's internal monologue of Django, like when he was a kid being like, what does he say about Obi-Wan? Like, he won't be coming back or, or something yeah. like that. Like, he <laughs> we won't, won't be, be seeing him again. I think. We won't be seeing him again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 you could see, you could feel Boba like give a little like, hmm. like, yeah. It's uh, it's such a satisfying thing, like again, just to be able to revisit this eighteen years later, where um I like a lot of I remember a lot of discussion about and I, I harbor no ill will towards the Matrix for having won best visual effects. But I remember a lot of conversation being like Phantom Menace should have won visual effects because they were doing that shit in the light of day. They weren't hiding mm-hmm. it with filters. They weren't hiding it with it's this grainy, this graining technology. They were flat out putting it out there in daylight. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun getting the seismic charge in beautiful atmospheric daylight. In atmosphere, it's true. I think yeah. about that all the time with, uh, with Gollum, that Gollum has never impressed me more in any of the Tolkien movies that he's in than when he's on the rope leash you know, doing his tantrum in broad daylight. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like that stuff is so, so impressive. You know, yeah. that that's that's flexing for sure, which they've done a lot in this show. You know, Rick getting to do the sand crawler and everything and how they only built mm-hmm. the bottom tread and connected it. Like visual effects beautiful. So that that's our uh that's our little discussion. I'm I'm like I'm like tired. I'm like in love yeah. uh uh with, with that whole moment. Um but then, you know, they, they land and then it's the resolution of the Mayfeld story, which I thought was great comedy and really touching of, yeah. you know, Miggs Mayfeld died in the refinery <laughs> explosion. <laughs> and the, the way he's like, I love, yeah. I'll leave. Yeah, I'm going to go now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really good. And, and I think we sort of talked again, like, or before where, like, I was a little, only a tad bit surprised um, 
that they weren't gonna offer him like or be like that they wouldn't want the extra guns um yeah but then i but then i think it is you know talking about the way he reacted to moff gideon not wanting to get in that i think it is also kind of nice that they're like you did your part it's like we're not going to put you through that (laughs) yeah exactly and i think that they you know as it stands these four could probably you know they could take a light cruiser full of troops yeah dark troops we'll have to see gideon we'll definitely have to see but you know they they know they're in a good place and you know at least in terms of of skill um i still think that they need to pick up a couple guns and we'll talk about that at the end yeah um but yeah one one thing also um just because this is just a little thing uh, i love fennec's just entire demeanor as she like walks back onto the ship because <laughs> oh, she, yeah. she just doesn't really care she's <laughs> like like she's like okay bye guy like cool she has you and, know she's she's boba's partner now so she's like, i go where he goes whatever, yeah and whatever, i just I, I just loved her like when she she kept walking when kara and, and din are like gonna start talking to mayfeld and i just love this look of like okay random guy good good stuff um I'm going to hang out with the real dude now. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It, I thought, I just think it's funny. It's funny. And uh, also, you know, that's where we get, uh, you know, good luck, good luck getting your kid back or whatever yeah. it is, which is, which is great. Um, and is a, a nice completion of an arc, but yeah, I hope we see him again. I hope he pops up uh, in Rangers or again in season three of this show, mm-hmm. but then it's, you know, Kara gives the very simple line of, you know, what are we going to do next? And I was afraid that the episode would end on slave one flying away. I wouldn't have yeah, been upset, same. but same. I always have the, because I'm greedy, I always have the, come on, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, what's, the, what's that extra taste, right? Yeah, like, come on. Yeah. Like, and then, you know, they cut to the bridge, and I thought for sure it was going to be a Grogu Gideon scene, just like last time, mm-hmm. and they didn't do that. What they did was one of the coolest things, and I, I, I poo-poo the Dark Knight Rises sometimes, uh-huh. because of there's this moment at the end where... uh, uh <laughs> <laughs> where Batman has Bane uh, up against the ropes and, and, and he's, he's trying to find out where the, the trigger is. And he's like, you know, give me the trigger. And then I give you permission to die. Like he just repeats Bane's line back to him later on in the movie. Yeah. So normally I'm like, All right, you, know, you said his thing back to him. That's fine. This is the best instance I've ever seen of I'm going to remix what you said and hit it and hit you with it and why because character yes and because it tells you a two things one is serious and that he wants to put gideon on the defensive it's not going to be a spring attack i thought for sure it was going to be a surprise attack this whole time get the jump on him he wants him to know yep and then two it tells you oh din jaren's been thinking about that little speech Mm -hmm. he's been thinking about it he has been simmering yeah. since Navarro. He can't he can't tune into episode seven again. You know, like <laughs> yeah. he's not like us where we have we get our previously on. Yeah. Like um yeah, that it goes to show like that that day got him. I mean and I mean it was a guy called him out by name. Right? Yeah. Like imagine all these little things. I mean, he he knew Gideon as the ISB guy who sort of orchestrated the fall of mandalore right like and this this idea of him being you know 
like being able to call him out, yeah. being able to drop drop this. You have what I want, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it makes you wonder how how he's been sitting with it, and it's it's cool to have it have that you know question answered with a statement of intent as opposed to like fear like you know. yeah it's not a you know it's it's so not that people in star wars haven't had like confidence going into their battles before obviously mm-hmm. but luke versus vader both times is has a very strong feeling of like what if i fail especially on cloud city mm-hmm. um ray versus kylo ren any of the times and versus palpatine has the strong air of like am i underqualified and also i'm alone um, yeah mentally and, and need, needing the pep talk right yeah um this is this yeah. is decidedly different for star wars because it is it's a protagonist saying like you're about to get yours mm-hmm. like it, he might as well have just like looked into the camera and said tune in for episode eight son like yeah. it was like super like <laughs> like here are my beskar balls and i'm laying them on i'm like, laying them on this table like it was just like john favreau metal horns up like yeah it was it was hype and 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 even the small changes like not obviously you would never but like gideon calls him it he calls him he like mm-hmm. he means more to me than you will ever know is like yeah i was like Ooh. right <laughs> and like like we talked about right at the beginning like this idea of i can bring you in warm or i can bring mm-hmm. you in cold coming to he means more to me than you can ever know and while those two are so dramatically different for dinjarin like and this this journey we've experienced so far they're said they're said with the same ruthless that same ruthless undertone within the character where yeah. he's like i do not care who i need to screw like who i need to annihilate yeah. um i'm getting this done it's true. Um, I mean, he's like, yeah. I, I now, it's, it's hard for me to phrase, but you, you'll understand what I mean. The Mandalorian, you know, Mando, they all hate you, Mando. Mm-hmm. That guy, you know, that Rand knew, that Shion knew, that Mayfeld, you know, was beaten by, that guy is not who he is anymore. It's something mm-hmm. he can wield now. This is yeah. Din Djarin, who's like, I'm about to force the Mandalorian down your throat. Like, right. I'm not that I'm a father. Like I'm me and I'm about to you, I'm about to, I'm about to inflict upon you the Mandalorian. And it, you know, it's a tool. It's a, it's my spear. It, like I'm going to drag you through a door as it's closing and chop you in half. Like yeah. I am that ruthless, like bastard that I walk into a bar with a new set of armor and everyone goes, Oh shit. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm going to force you to endure me is so, yeah. so cool. And it's, and it's that difference of, of like, you know, that intent of power kind of thing as well, where it's like, what, what do you do when you have the Mandalorian who is this ultimate killer, ultimate fighter, where every, every piece of his skill and weaponry is motivated by the credits or I don't. I don't think right. Din is. I don't think Din is like motivated by recognition. But no, like, but, but the, but the idea a different thing. Like Boba, money, and notoriety. Mm-hmm. You know, Din was money, survival. You know, they, yeah. they have all had like base things motivating him. 
Right. So like you have Din now, or Din then being all his skill, all his weaponry motivated by that. Now it's motivated by love. And, and like, and what, what every, like every story we know, I mean, talk, I mean, look at Ray with, with the sabers against Palpatine. That was, that was ruthlessness generated by love. Yeah. And, and, and self-love. And empowered. Yeah. And empowered. Right. Yeah. And it's like, how much stronger is Din's fighting going to be when he knows what he's fighting for now? Like he's yeah. actually fighting for something he I mean, this is, is like, in. this is akin. I go, I go to Return of the Jedi again. This is akin to if Anakin had turned on the Death Star before he was beaten. Like mm-hmm. this is if it was like, you have to face me now. Like if Anakin was able to like cut down Palpatine, like yeah. this is like, you're done like we're i'm coming at you and i'll, I'll lose everything and also kanan right like now i have yeah. nothing left to fear oh um, yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> we all we all went to a place right, right then just thinking about that. um yeah again it's like this is and even jedi this. knight i mean it's it's cutting off my ponytail like yeah it's go time like i'm clarity than, clarity yeah. right clarity yeah. yeah um yeah it's it's and it's such a good I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it is the, it is the meat of these fantasy stories. When, mm-hmm. when, when, when characters have this level of realization uh, where it's like, I know exactly what I'm fighting for kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it is so, so amazing to think about what that looks, what that is going to look like in full effect for Din Oh my Tarin. God. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's just, it's a trope, you know, you say fantasy stories it's a trope I love in all of its forms. Usually... Um, or very often it comes in the form of you now have the thing, you now have the ability, you know, like Scott Pilgrim has that like Scott earned the power of self-respect, mm. uh, you know, or you go to like Lord of the Rings, like this is Anduril, the flame of the West, you know, forged yeah. from the shards. It's that like, oh, like, like I'm fully realized now. Yeah. And what we the, might The see, French horns are blaring. Yo, yeah, like <laughs> Yeah, we're we're in tr- full triumph mode here. Yeah, I mean it's so yeah. powerful. Um yeah, I think that about wraps it up for this episode, but you know, talking about this battle predictions um or just where you think it could go uh to close out chapter 16. Um what are you expecting in terms of everything we've talked about? Uh, yeah, it's, I'm really bad at speculating. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of, I don't know what to expect. I think, I think like just little things, I think it'd be cool if Bo came back mm-hmm. for, for part of this mission. Um, I think, again, it's not like a necessity, but you did, you did drop this notion of she knows what he has. She needs that. Yeah. yeah you could pick that up later next season, something, um, but I think it would be cool if it if that's picked up on now, um, especially because we're gonna be in proximity allegedly. And yeah, I think we it's it's this question of yeah, like is it gonna be like last season where it's okay, let's get everyone I know <laughs> this year and let's do something. Um, okay. Yeah, so <laughs> Frog Lady, of course, uh, with with tadpole as her oh, like sidekick throws him at someone's face <laughs> yeah and he's like rah, rah, you're like running ragged all over them and they're like ah! <laughs> um but yeah it's uh i think one of the big questions is Cobb vanth right 
Um, yeah. I exist in a weird plane when it comes to Cobb Vanth, where it's like, I so desperately want to see him again because Timothy Oliphant, of course, nailed every aspect of it. But also, it's like, do you want to mess with perfection? <laughs> right? Like, Interesting. Like, yeah. I, I feel like his his chapter nine is so great. Like, just as chapter a beginning a, to end. Chapter nine is a short film. Yeah. Yeah. His beginning to end as Cobb Vanth, his, his last line of, tell you people, I didn't, I didn't break that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I just, I love every second of it. I love the security blanket of knowing Cobb's fine. He's yeah. He's there. He's and who living. knows? Like maybe he'll be like Pelly, and we see him yeah. with the Tatooine. Yeah, you know that's that's cool. And then it's like, I'm and not to say like they'd mess him up, but like I don't want, I don't want to be sad if something happens to him, right? Like yeah. like I live I live in this space now of like I know he's fine. He's living a good life with Mos Pelgo. He's Where it's now like some friends with the Tuscans. Finally, a Star Wars story is like ended really nicely, and we're yeah. Everyone it's got like, what they wanted. There's no dragon yeah, anymore. Exactly. We can we can divorce from that. That's we can tell whatever yeah, we can tell whatever Cobb story we want in our head now. The only um, thing I would say about that, mm-hmm. and I guess maybe this could be answered in a in a story before chapter nine. I need to know why Boba Fett did not confront Cobb Vamp, or if he did. That's a great story. Yeah, that's something. Um, yeah, I mean, he knows who he is. Yeah, he knows his name. Like, was he watching only fans? Or something he, like he clearly stands on the <laughs> hill by Mos Pelgo quite often. Right. Like, yeah. So he knows him. He, why they, they didn't confront? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. And that's one I, thing. Yeah. But I don't need that in this chapter necessarily. Exactly, Do I want to yeah. see him? Yes. Is yeah. what you're saying making perfect sense? Yes. It is tied up nicely. Um, Bo Katan is the big thing. We're not gonna see Ahsoka again, is my my thing. It's not gonna happen. Yeah, I don't think so. We're not gonna see a Jedi on the light cruiser. Do we see yeah. a Jedi in the finale? Maybe. Um, I think it's going to be carnage. I think we're going to see uh, some of our best action ever. Um, I I predict... Actually, I was about to say a really good duel. I think it might be a really sad duel because is Din trained in, in melee weaponry? Like I like, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it could be one of those things where, it's like, where she's like, did you do the, the Rising Phoenix? And he's like, yeah, I dabbled in rising some rising phoenix <laughs> and yeah. you know and then he's like maybe it's the same with the spear and you, you know you can see that i think you know in a lot of these like training montage trope things oh yeah the spear is usually what they start with right <laughs> so, yeah true so yeah so he, yeah. he could have he could have some sort of role there um yeah i think it's going to be just a badass carnage i think it'll be really heartfelt i think his helmet's coming off again yeah i think one, we're gonna go from one moment to two moments now yeah one thing that has been around for months now that we can't talk like we can't prepare and you're talking you're talking about like epic carnage blah 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 action one thing we can't talk about is we don't know who's framing this action <laughs> right like this is this is the unaccounted director let me tell you um, right now <laughs> let me tell you right now if this episode ends and it says, you know, John Favreau, I'll be happy. Yeah, I'm never yeah. going to decry that. But if this episode ends and it says George Lucas, I might, I'm going to have to call out of work. 
even yeah. though it's a Friday. I'm going to have to say I'm not coming in Monday. <laughs> there is no, no level can anticipate no. the reaction to that. Like, like, whatever you think it'll be, it's more. Yeah, it's like, going to be like the yeah. second coming. Like, it's like, almost one of those things where like, I don't want to tell myself it's the case because if it's not, I'll just be yeah. like, hmm. <laughs> like, I don't want to be like, yeah. I don't want to be like painting the clown makeup on that day. But right. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. and are there other surprises that would be really cool? Absolutely. Ryan Johnson mm-hmm. said he would do an episode of the show. That'd be yeah, freaking awesome. Uh, any number of the Marvel buddies. Cool. Uh, even if it was someone uh, again, that we didn't know was going to get a second one, like Bryce or something yeah. like that. Cool. Yeah. But man. yeah, it's, it's such an interesting um, like, you know, it's, it's just been this, this little thing that we can't put a finger on and it's going to be this like last surprise, like literally the last surprise we get of the show is going to be who directed it. And, um, God. and it's like, it's, it's just, it's so exciting because yeah, it's like, there's no bad option, right? Like it's going to be of course someone, yeah. it's going to be someone who has already been a part of this family and, I'm gonna be like, oh, wait, way to go. Um, yeah, I mean, it could be Favreau again, for all you know. Like, just it could be anything. It could be Ron, but Howard. yeah, Ron Howard, even better. And yeah, like, there's Lord and Miller, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> just the last episode. Imagine. Um, but but yeah, just this idea of yeah, this this whole the the father coming back <laughs> yeah. with with so many father themes in the episode it's just like the father himself george like uh, i cannot even start crying yeah it's it. like it's one of those like you get goosebumps thinking about sitting at home and then just saying Bum, and it's directed by george and he's like gonna <laughs> immediately start weeping yeah and yeah it's it's just it's super funny being in this position because like like yeah we knew taika blah, blah blah we knew we knew things before we've known things yeah. for the past 15 episodes and this is we so we know so little about the, we don't have the visual we don't have we don't have anything we to latch on to this episode we don't know yeah. if the light cruiser lands somewhere i've heard you know popular fan theory is what if it lands on camino and that's where it all goes down yeah something like that because uh, yeah. of because of pershing because pershing is not with gideon they went out right. of their way to show us that he yeah. has to communicate with him elsewhere. Where is he? And uh, we know the and the attack of the clones love already, right? It's like just keep it going, dude. Attack of the clones hive rise up, man. This is our time. <laughs> <Rise. laughs> uh, so man, this has been such a good conversation. Probably the longest one we've done yet, and freaking good because there was a lot of meat here. Uh, mm-hmm. Nikki, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find Imperial Senate, uh, three blurgs, everything that's going on. Uh, do the YouTube yeah. content creator thing. Oh yeah, sure. It sounds good. I just just so you know, I never do this for our show, so I'll probably be like, oh, uh, you can go here. Um, but basically, yeah, um, Imperial Senate Podcast. We are you can find our like main show, which is um, available on all good places to find your podcast. We've been covering the Mandalorian um, for our YouTube channel, so you can find three blurgs and a bounty, which is our episodic review we have um reaction videos as well for a couple episodes um and i think that's kind of it for our youtube channel at the moment and then you can check out our website um which is imperial senate podcast.com i think 
Um, because, <laughs> I think. Well, every, everything, everything I think, will be in the yeah. description. Yeah, you just just Google it. I'm sure you'll find there. And then Twitter, of course, at ImpSenatePod. Instagram at, imp, at um, Imperial Senate Pod. And yeah, you can just find us all there and um, come hang out. And and of course, thank you so much, Alden, for, for having me on. I know. I, I remember I was looking at your like past guests and I was like, dang. These are some these are some stacked people. I'm like, I don't want to be the I don't want to be the episodic weak link. Nah, this has been <laughs> one of the this has been one of the best ones. I won't say who the worst one was. Charlie, no, uh, no, no, no. Er, er, this has been like just a murderer's row. Um, at the end of the season, I'm just gonna list everybody and a thank you because it's just like just the most wonderful Star Wars conversations. This show brings out the best in, in a lot of people um, in all of our community. So it's been really really cool to dive into so as for this show uh you could follow me personally at ad underscore strider you can follow me on instagram at a period d period strider you can follow the show and like it subscribe it review uh for it which would be great on apple podcasts or on spotify other places too like stitcher anchor uh ahcto radio octo radio uh everywhere we're about to do the merchandise drop that i've been teasing because i just got the final design so that's going to be coming soon wave one there's going to be four shirts um right in time for the holidays which is great um, it's going to be exciting times. Nikki and I are going to be doing something in 2021, a couple things in 2021, um, that you can look forward to as well as other stuff happening here with some familiar faces and friends. And you can look forward to, uh, the finale discussion, uh, which is going to be maddening, I'm sure. And then everybody's going to be doing them. So check out Imperial Senate podcast as well. Uh, their Mando show three blurgs and a bounty. It's going to be good times, folks. Everybody hold on to your butts because dad's coming dad's coming to quote you know uh d- d- daddy's home and and, and 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 not starring will ferrell and, and and mark Wahlberg, starring pedro pascal it's gonna be awesome so uh, for me for nikki kumar for octo radio and imperial senate punch it chewy